God's so good, isn't he? Yes, sir. <laughs> He's wonderful. You know how you realize that? If you ever see what sin is, oh my, that's the key to this whole thing. Realizing what sin is to God and what he's done to make a provision to remove it. And when he does, he calls you to love him. Calls you to love him. You know why? The whole story about Christ is he didn't have to do it. That's it. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to die. There ain't nobody held a gun to his head. Voluntary. Done it all voluntarily. Father sent the son. The son came willingly and uh, wouldn't have it no other way. Wouldn't want it no other way. And uh, when God saves you by grace and you get to understand a little bit about him, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at how wonderful he is. Okay, Luke 15. I want to read to you a couple of verses here to set the stage of this story. And then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Publicans were tax collectors. The most hated group of people in the days of Christ were the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. That's their accusation. And for one time in these devils' lives, they told the truth. <laughs> And they, they, were, they were souls that Christ died for. But these men so under control of Satan, they're so deceived in their religion that they're miserable and they want everybody else to be just miserable as they are. <laughs> they, they can't stand it because somebody's getting a little bit of help and, and lost the frown on their face. That's the way the religious crowd that don't know God is. They can't stand joy. They don't understand joy. Well, they was out there praising the Lord one day, and uh, those Pharisees came to Christ, or the disciples said, you need to tell these people to shut up. The Lord said, if they do, the rocks will cry out. Amen. So here's the setting of this parable, and it's in three parts. You got the lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. You, you've heard me preach this. Most of you have. And uh, this is all symbolic of the love of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God, uh, the, God the Son's the one that went out and sought the lost sheep. He's the great shepherd. The woman in the house sweeping till she finds the lost coin is a type of the Holy Spirit. In the fact that uh, God is not female, but Christ is, or the Holy Spirit's like your mother. He births you into the family of God. And she searched diligently till she found the lost silver, the lost coin. And then this is the love of God the Father. They, they were these Pharisees, all they ever seen God as was somebody wanting to kick everybody into hell. Had no idea. That's not the heart of God. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He didn't even make hell for you. Hell's made for the devil and his angels. And man goes there because of his rejection of Christ, but it was never intended to be that way. That's why we've got services like this tonight, uh, that you don't have to go. Verse 11 of uh, Luke 15, he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. He divided unto them his living, not just the younger one, but the elder one also. He delivered unto them his living. Not many days after the younger son 
gathered together all and took his journey into a far country. There wasted his substance with righteous living. Now, folks, listen to this. This boy that's going to go hog wild crazy after sin is the publicans and sinners. That's who he is. This elder brother is the Pharisees. So you got two you got two types of sinners here. You got the sinner that's just out wallowing in sin, and then you got the other one that's a wallowing in sin in the house of God. Religious, lost. And uh, so this boy goes and spends all of his inheritance on righteous living. When he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. He would fain have filled his belly with husk of swine to eat. No man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough in the spire, and I perish with hunger? I wonder how many men sleeping under a bridge will wake up tomorrow morning after uh, they've they, uh, been drinking uh, shoe polish or straining alcohol, trying to get drunk, says the same thing. And they swear they'll never touch it again. And when sundown comes, there's a power comes on them, and they can't resist it. Total bondage and slavery. He said, I'll arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. No more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Here he is contemplating what he's going to tell his dad. He arose and came to his father. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion (laughs) and ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight no more worthy to be called thy son. That's all he needs to say. When you come to God to be saved, it's not a big speech you've got to give him. Because he knows what you are in. He just wants you to admit it and beg for mercy. This boy said, Lord, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven in my sight. He's thinking about all that, you know, and uh, no more worthy to be called thy son. That's repentance. That's repentance. He's not blaming anybody. He's not mad at anybody. He sees himself as the culprit and the problem. The father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now, I'm not going to preach on this, but I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of this. I normally don't. Here's the attitude of the Pharisee. Here it is. His elder brother was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, thy brother's come, thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he received him safe and sound. He was angry, would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He answered and said to his father, lo, these many years do I serve thee. See, he's trying to work his way to heaven. Do I serve thee? Neither transgressed I any time at thy commandment. He's so proud of his righteousness. And yet thou never gavest me a kid. 
that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost in this found. And that Jew is still angry at God for taking in us Gentiles. Oh, yes. Boy, I tell you one thing, praise God. They, they're the elder brother and they can have all that stuff. I'll just take Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm not proud of any sin I've ever done and God's not condoning sin here. It's like the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. The Lord never condoned her sin, but that wasn't the purpose of what he did. The purpose was, was to magnify the forgiveness of God. And uh, the law's already got you condemned. I mean, you're condemned already. You need to know that. And uh, you're, you're, you can't live up to the law. You broke the law, and the law are the commandments of God. But once you broke them, what are you going to do to fix it? Ain't thing you can do is to rest on the redemption of Christ. I'm going to talk to you a little bit on the prodigal's wake-up call. Amen. There's an old saying that says sometimes real tribute is paid by the tongue of hatred. And what your enemies might say about you may be a very telling thing. I mean, if those that hate God and the things of God uh, run you down for your stand for Christ, that's not a thing to be ashamed of. That's a compliment. What these Pharisees are doing here, they're giving Christ the greatest compliment they ever could. They, they think they're running him down. They think they're belittling him. But they're ex- Exalting him as the Savior that he is. Now the Lord speaks this parable here uh, that I told you and uh, uh, uses this story that men might understand the heart of God. Now here is the uh, synopsis of this story. Here's a, a, a man that's got a farm. His elder brother has served him faithfully or his elder son has for many years. The younger son wants his inheritance. He wants to go to the far country in order to live the lifestyle of a playboy uh, or a libertine. That's what's in his heart. Before that boy ever got to that far country, that far country got in that boy's heart. He'd been uh, contemplating that for a long time. I wonder how many times he might have said in whatever worship service they had and God deal with that boy and he say, I'm going to sow my wild oats. There's some things I'm going to do before I get saved by the grace of God. Had no idea what that decision was going to cost him. Well, one day it got so on this boy. I mean, his heart was so full of sin and the desires thereof that he got the boldness to go to his father and ask for his inheritance. Now, you know this story. Back in those days, a man never gave his sons his inheritance until he died. It's unthinkable that this boy would do that but he did because sin makes you selfish and sin makes you think about no one but your own self now what this boy did was totally unthinkable the father did what he asked him and he gave him his inheritance this boy didn't say dad I want to thank you he didn't say dad I appreciate it he didn't say dad I appreciate 
appreciate your generosity and how good you've been to me all my life. No, sir. He takes that inheritance and leaves the father's house. Now, what this represents is the house of God. He leaves the church. He leaves the house of God. I remember one of my Sunday school teachers told us one day, I was a teenage boy, and he said, now boys, y'all be graduating for long. He said, and why is it that so many boys uh, when they graduate from high school, they graduate from church? I'll tell you why. Because when you start living in sin, you get nervous around God and the things of God. And if you're not going to play the hypocrite, you've got to make a decision. I can't keep doing uh, both of these. I've got to choose which way that I'm going to go. So this house represents the house of God and the house of God is where the Father's presence is. It's where the people of God are assembled. It's where the precepts of God are taught. It's where the praise of God is heard. Now notice the actions of this boy. It reveals what's in his heart. He's been living at the Father's house. He's been taken or uh, having the benefit of the Father's generosity. The Father has fed him. The Father has been good to him. The Father's been a blessing to this boy all of his life. But now he's uncomfortable. It's not that his bed's uncomfortable. It's not that dad's food's not good enough. He's uncomfortable being around his Father's presence. He's uncomfortable with the holiness of his Father. Now that's exactly what Satan does in our life. What's he trying to do? You young folks tonight who I'm really burdened for, he wants you out from under the influence of the Father's house. He wants you out from under the influence of the teaching of God's Word. Once he gets you out in that world, the restraints are gone and you'll end up doing what you said you'll never do. End up going to places you said you'd never uh, go to and participating in things he'll know better. Oh, he can't take the rules any longer. He can't live that lifestyle that he wants to and stay around his mama and his daddy and the house of God. Here's what he said. Dad, I want your money. I want your benefit. I want your blessing, but I don't want you and I don't want to be around you and I don't want your rules and I don't want your regulations. Boy, I think about how this boy and the, how this far country that God in his heart. Is that not how we do the Lord? I mean, we want God's blessing. We are superstitious. We're like carrying a rabbit's foot and putting an X on the windshield when we see a black cat. And we want God as a spire tire. We want God to keep us out of jail and out of hell and keep us from getting HIV. And we want God to keep us from losing our job and losing our standing in the community. But we don't want God nor the things of God nor the rules of God. Now listen to me tonight. That's not something that's foreign to a teenage boy or a teenage girl. We're all born like that. We've got a nature. 
nature that hates God and the things of God. That's why every person must be born again. And when God puts that new nature within you, he gives you the ability to love God, to love God's character, to love God's holiness, to love God's justice, to love God's righteousness, to love God's law, to love God's commandments, to love God's rules, to love God's mercy, to love God's forgiveness. Not just his benefits, but we get to the place, uh, even in a Christian life, where the more mature you get, the more you love God for who he is. Instead of what he can give you. Oh, what a blessed day that that is when our relationship with the Lord turns into intimate fellowship. But the problem with this young boy, he never knew his father. He never knew his father's heart. He never knew his father's love. He never knew his father's wisdom. If he had, he would have trusted him and not went on this binge of sin that would destroy him and destroy his health and his wealth and his life. Now this boy doesn't just move down the road and get an apartment. He doesn't just move down to the next county. He goes to the far country. He's got to get as far from his daddy as he can. He's got to go to that place where nobody knows him. He's got to find that spot where no one cares about what he does, where no one will criticize him, where there's not a preacher to rebuke him and tell him the law of God. No curfew, no limitations, nobody to correct him, no church to go to, no wrestling with his conscience, no wrestling uh, with conviction. Oh, that's what uh, the devil does to our young people. He gets them out from under the influence of the light of the gospel and the house of God and the man of God so those restraints will be broken and they run wild and destroy themselves and be just a shell of what they could have been for the glory of God. Now when you start running wild you've got to adjust your ethics to accommodate your behavior. You've got to change your moral standard. You've got to change your belief system. That's why when you're running wild in sin, you get liberal-minded. Everything is permissible. You do your thing, I'll do mine. You leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. And there's no right and there's no wrong. And the conscience is seared. And the more a boy sins and a girl sins, the more they can sear their conscience and shut up that accusing guilt and shame. That's what people are doing. That's why they go to the depths that they do. They're trying to shut up that voice on the inside. That's telling them that something's wrong. And you keep going down the road of sin. Hey, you sear your conscience with a hot iron and nothing will bother you. Now, if you were watching the news tonight and you saw a story of a 90-year-old woman just a little feeble elderly lady grandmother and a couple hoods break in her house, hoodlums, 
and uh, they ransack her house and they rob her and then they rape her and then they stab her and lead her, leave her laying on the floor bleeding to death. There's something inside of you that'll say that's wrong. You don't have to have a Bible to know that's wrong because it's so horrendous that you can get so far from God that you can justify everything and get to the point that hardly anything is even considered wrong. It's like homosexual marriages. 50 years ago, that would have never been tolerated, even the idea of it. But now, we're about to cross the point where the majority of Americans thinks it's all right. Our conscience has been seared. That's what Satan does. He don't play fire. He contaminates your soul. He messes up your belief system. He takes away the innocency and the tenderness. And believe me, there'll come a day when you'll not be able to cry over the right things. Your heart becomes an adamant stone and you can't find your way back to what you used to be. And you look in the mirror like I did one night and you hate what you've become because everything your daddy warned you of, that's what you are. Oh, what a tragedy. And it all starts when that far country gets in our heart and in our mind and we make our mind up. I'm not getting saved. I'm not doing what God said. As soon as I get out of the pressure of the regulations and rules of mama and daddy and the church, I'm gone and I'll never come back. That happens all the time. This young boy wasted his wealth. He wasted his health. He, you, you know what? People have got so full of pride that if they just see a policeman, they just hate him. They ain't even got enough sense to know if the policeman's not out there, you can't even drive down the road. If it wasn't for policemen and a little bit of the fear of the law, you couldn't even sleep at night without somebody breaking in on you. But ever vestige of authority, people hate and they despise. What does that rebellion in your heart and mind? He wasted his wealth. He wasted his health. He wasted his future. He wasted his ability. He wasted his potential. He was too immature to appreciate the value of life. Too young and dumb to appreciate material things. Young folks, on Tayson, dollar bills don't grow on trees. Your daddy's got to sweat to give you what he gives you. Your mother's got to sweat to give you what she gives you. But our generation, I'm not blaming you, but our generation has raised up and we've given them so many material things. There's so few have any idea of the value of material things or the value of spiritual things or the value of the word of God or the value of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. God lets you be influenced by Brother Mike or other pastors for a reason. Not to run hog wild drink Budweiser and smoke dope and live like hell and cuss God. God's give you the opportunity 
opportunity and the privilege and the potential to make a difference in this world. Me and Seth was riding up here and he put in a Billy Kelly CD. Boy, that song always pulls at my heartstrings, Brother Mike. I was born to serve the Lord. That's what you was born for. I know I was. God, let me be born to serve him and love him and live for him. And the minute I started drawing air, Brother Jesse the devil got to strategizing how to sear my conscience, how to harden my heart, how to get me out from under the word of God and not I appreciate all that was given me and you got to be saved by grace. I really appreciate all that God has given you in, in terms of the gospel and the things of God. You know how, you know why I can understand that boy? That's me. That one time, that's me. I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof. In, invincible. Nothing could hurt me. That's why a boy get out here, do 150 mile an hour in a car, and he just hit that car gets so light back when back when we used to do that, and cars back in wouldn't go that fast. We didn't have overdrive. But all big tires and the air get going into them old hot rods, you wouldn't even weigh 20 pounds at 130 mile an hour and a gravel can kill you. But you think you're invincible and you think you're not going to die and you think how that you always, how you're different. Somebody else might get killed. Somebody else might get hurt. But me and Jesus have got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got all worked out and we got our own understanding. And that's the pride that Satan puts in your heart. Young person, you've got no idea when you go down that road where you'll end up. You'll think I'll just be gone for a little while. But oh, that little while of Elimelech, Naomi, lasted for 10 years. How long will it be? May this be the last revival that you're in before you ram headlong to that far country. And it be years and years and one day see you down the road and you look like you've aged 40 years in 10 years. I'm telling the devil wants to waste your life and waste your influence. You know what? Man goes out. He's just full of pride. Man, young boy full of pride. Well, I ain't afraid of no one or anything. You better be afraid of God. And you better fear sin. And you better fear Satan. I'm going to tell you something, young person. If I didn't love you now, I wouldn't even warn you. There's a lot smarter dudes the devil's got than you. Oh, yeah. He's a lot tougher boys the devil's brought down than you. And you ain't no match for him. He gets you at the right place at the right time, young lady, and you'll fall into sin like the rest of them. You'll not resist it. Oh, he wasted his inheritance on riotous living, revelry, extravagance, loose living, and public debauchery. You know why this boy goes to that far country? He could have never done what he'd done with the thought that his daddy was watching him. If he thought his daddy could see him, he could have never done what he did. I remember Keith, Brother Keith Scruggs telling me that a while before God saved him, he is doing something he shouldn't do. And he said for the first time, he thought Jesus was watching him. 
And he was. And that awoke something inside of him. Young person, God is a-watching you. He knows what you're doing. He knows what we're all doing. But in the far country, instead of being free, oh, I gotta be free. And I gotta be me. The best days of this boy's life was at daddy's house, at the church house, at the father's house. He goes to a far country. And like some of you have said, he had the best of friends that money could buy. And the best women that money could buy and the best high that money could buy but the problem is sin always brings a famine and when you run out of money you're going to run out of friends and you're going to run out of a high that same crowd he set up with drinks and whatever they had to pollute their mind that bunch wouldn't have bought him a pack of cheese crackers or a bologna sandwich when he got out of money when you get out of money they'll drop you and forget your name that they ever knew you that's the crowd that you're leaving God's house for I'm talking about God's people that'll love you that'll pray that'll labor for your soul that'll love you and be good to you and turn all that away to run with the dogs of hell and get the sin of hell on you and the fleas of sin on you and the addiction and the chain and it destroy your life what a tragedy you know what's so bad I'll tell you what makes this worse. Now, some of you dear folks listen to me tonight. I don't know your background. Some of you didn't have a loving daddy. Some of you probably didn't have a loving mother. You do not know. I mean, uh, you know, Mother's Day. When I was a kid, we used to sing that I could hear my mother pray again. And so many kids, Brother Jesse, never heard Mama pray one time. We're living in a different day than our grandparents did. Every home. When I was a boy, I thought all old, old women were saved and loved God. That's how stupid I was. I thought anybody over 50 years old loved the Lord, especially women. And used to about be that way. I mean, used to, if the man so sorry and low down, he wouldn't go to church and, and uh, pray with his kids and try to instruct them right. There's that mother that would. But we're living in a day and an hour when a lot, so few have got what I'm talking about. What makes this so bad is the upbringing this boy had. I mean, the daddy, the mother he had, the religious opportunity that this boy had. Some of you've never had that. That's why, oh, that God would help you to break that chain of sin and give that to your children, what they ought to have. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry tonight if you wasn't raised in a loving home and taken to God's house and told the things of God. But don't curse your children with the same thing. Let your life make the difference. Turn it around. Get to God. Pray for your children and instruct them in the things of God. Now, here's the question. Well, I wasn't going to say this, but I just thought about it. Train up a child in the way he should go when he's old and not depart from it. Boy, you think his daddy wasted his time? No. Did that boy come back home? Yes. Now, listen to me. When I, I thought that if I'd get out and run with the crowd, do what the crowd did. I could get that off of me, what my daddy put in me and mom and preachers for 16 years. I'm telling you, a bloodhound 
was on my trail. I couldn't escape it. It was a screaming at me night and day. Hey, wasn't enough drugs. Hey, wasn't enough alcohol. Hey, wasn't enough blind rock music on those triangle speakers that shut up the voice of God. I couldn't shut him up. Hey, I couldn't get away from what God had put in my heart. Mom and dad, they might go away for a while, but if you instruct them, you pray right, thank God, in the middle of that drunken stupor, there's one of them Bible verses going to come back. They're going to see that old man of God preaching and I'm begging for their soul and it's worth it all to live for the Lord. Boy, the chains of addiction get tighter and tighter. Now, young folks, listen to me. Do you think for a minute this boy was stupid? No. No, he's just depraved. He never intended getting to where he did. That's why, hey, listen, there's not a man in hell ever that had thought he'd be there. That's what sin does. There, listen to me, not trying to hurt nobody's feelings, but there's not a young lady that gets pregnant out of wedlock that ever thought it would end up that way. They Listen to me. Not a young boy that's now, not even out of high school, got to figure out how to pay for diapers and keep up a, 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 a young lady or a wife or a child. He never intended it to be that way. That's what lust does. That's what sin does. It'll make you stupid. He'll get you in a situation and the pursuit of pleasure and the drive for satisfaction. And what makes it all worse is when you leave God's house and all that lot, you get to running with the wrong crowd until you become the wrong crowd. That's what's sad. Man, I become the crowd my mom and daddy always warned me not to run with. That's terrible. There ain't nothing to be proud of that. I'll tell you what, I'm not proud of one sin I've ever committed against a holy, loving God. i tell you one thing, I hate it worse now than I ever have. Boy, I ask God all the time. He's already forgiven me, but I, and I know I ought to quit asking him. But I just say, Lord, I'm so sorry for the way I've done you. You don't deserve the way I've treated you. And I'd give anything in the world if I could go back and live it over. That's why I'm preaching with the passion in my soul to keep you from going there and being destroyed by the lying devil and his deceptions. He wasted his inheritance. Well, that ain't no big deal. I mean, money's one thing, but he lost some things money came by. He lost his innocency. He can, how do you uncontaminate your soul? When you get so depraved, how about you, how about even men of our day, I'm glad God stopped me for I ever got into all of that stuff. But there's so many today that the normal marital relationship can't even satisfy them because their soul's so contaminated. Man, uh, I'm not even going to get into the debauchery that people do. I wouldn't dishonor God, but you know what I'm talking about. This boy went from riches to rags. He was reduced to begging and chasing a meal for mere survival. Verse 14, he spent all. There arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want, and no man gave unto him. That's exactly what the devil does 
That's exactly his uh, makeover, and that's exactly what he'll do to you in the far country. Uh, uh, That's where people use you, and they'll abuse you, and they'll refuse you. That's why after that boy gets what he wants, now you've got to keep up a baby. You can't find him. Won't give you a dime. Hey, them diapers aren't free. Somebody's got to buy them. Those babies cost. Oh, listen to me tonight. Oh, don't be deceived by the lust of the flesh and destroy your life. And then your mama or grandparents have to raise your children and got the money to even raise your family. And you're ashamed and you wasted your, your youth while you was having to be an adult and a mother. You wasted all you could have had. Oh, God help you tonight to take the warning. Amen. You say, well, I'm done guilty tonight. Well, if you're guilty tonight, you ought to say, amen, preacher, tell it. The tell on the devil. Right. Now, here's what's happening. Here's the sign. Don't miss this. I've got to where I want to get right here. What is the sign of the wealthiest man in Israel or one of the wealthiest doing living in a hog or a pig sty? I'll tell you why. He's too ashamed to go home. That's why. I'll tell you why he's too proud to admit his foolishness. Now, once God works repentance in his heart, all that's going to change. But he's too proud at first to say, what a fool I've been, how wrong I've been. You know, Dad, everything you ever told me was right. You know, what the Bible says is right. You know what God said is exactly right. I'm in a miserable condition. He began to be in want. He's in a desperate condition. And desperate conditions produce desperate measures. Now listen to me. You think all these dear girls, and I call them dear, because to, to their mama they're dear. To their grandma they're dear. To God they're precious to him. Even though Satan's marred them. Do you think a girl that gets hooked up on meth or crack cocaine, do you think for a minute that she wants to do what she's got to do to get the drugs? No. Desperate conditions produce desperate measures. That's why people do what even animals wouldn't do to get another fix. Do you want to end up like that? Do you want to live like that? Where everybody that wants you has had you and you don't even know who they are. Where you've been defiled, got a thousand diseases. My God, do you want to live like that? Go down that road and you might end up like that. That's how the devil plays when he gets full control. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He glued himself and wouldn't leave. You know what sin and pride does? It'll reduce you to humiliation. Boy, it will. I'm too proud to go tell God I'm a sinner, but I'm not too proud to go try to borrow money from everybody in the country. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad what sin reduces a man to? I know a man right now. He, and probably none of you would know him. So don't, but there's so many examples like this. You can think of a lot of people just like what I'm going to tell you. One time he had a thriving job, making big money, prestigious. And he got on drugs. 
and he lost it all. He lost his wife. He lost his child. He lost his second wife. And for 10 years can't hold down a job and can't get off of drugs. Do you think he wants to live like that? Listen to me. Unless God works repentance in his heart, he'll go to the grave in that misery. There'll be no turning back. There ain't nobody but God can turn a man back. When you get to that far country and you get so hard-hearted and the devil's power gets on you, ain't nobody but God can set you free. You might make it a while and say no to your flesh, but it's just a screaming at you every day. Boy, you need God to deliver you. He goes to this man. He begs. He pleads. This guy horselacks him. He said, man, go away. Hey, he would, he, he, uh, Eric, he just kept on. He glued himself to this man. This man didn't want to hire him. This man didn't have nothing for him to do. Why he goes down there, I'm not making fun of the boy. Probably his hair all matted up. Looked like he hadn't slept in a month. Why this man knows that. That ain't no working boy. That's somebody strung out. Buddy, that boy needs something to eat. And he's a Jew. And uh, that man puts him, I don't know if he'd done it to mock him or what, but puts him down there at the hog lot. Hear this boy. How strange, how strange this is. He despised the dignity and the self-worth and the importance and the love that his father gave him. And now he is humiliated and dehumanized by the sin that his daddy warned him of. Is that not amazing? Daddy, you're too hard. God, you're too hard. Bible, you're too hard. I wonder who the hard man is now. While he's at the house under the influence of the gospel, he slept in a clean bed, had a smile on his face, could look his daddy in the eye and not be ashamed. And now he's dehumanized and now he's humiliated, feeding, feeding a bunch of swine that was forbidden by God Almighty in the law of Moses. Isn't that something? How the devil makes a man and tires him to the bottom of the barrel. He sent him into the fields. To feed swine. Hey, listen, young folks. No house, no shelter. He's out there in the rain. He's out there like a man living under a bridge. Out there in the field, feeding swine. Boy, when I look at this story, this is a picture of thousands, of thousands of young people of our day when Satan's robbed you of all your self-esteem and all of your dignity. Then he reduces you to living like swine. Look what the Bible says, John 10, 10. The thief, that's the devil, cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This young man's wages are so meager, he can't even buy a decent meal. He's weak and malnutritioned. Now look at the sequence of things. Young folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you get in that far country and God does not choose to give you grace, you're going to die there. You ain't getting back. Because you can't get back by your own power. Amen. Now, if you don't get out there, 
and get so far into sin, a lot of times a man can sort of get back. You can get so far out there, you can't get back. If God don't bring you back, verse 14, when he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want. Listen, he got so hungry that the husk, the swine did eat. He began to desire that. You get hungry enough. Why, you'd about eat a brown paper bag. Now, I know that sounds stupid, but we don't know what hunger is. We don't even understand it, do you? You want me to get just downright plain? In the Old Testament, when the famine came to Samaria, they were eating the heads of mules and doves dung just to live. And a person, they get hungry enough, they'll do anything to get something to eat. You know what this boy's like now? He went out full, came back in. Sin promises much and delivers a little. Old Dr. Percy Ray used to say, sin will take your father than you want to go. Keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. Cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. This story reveals church boys, church girls. That's what this is about. This is about a boy raised in a father's house. This is about a boy raised around religion. This is about a boy had a real day. This is about a boy had ever spiritual opportunity. The son of a famous man. One of the most famous men in all of Israel. And now he's living with the pigs of sin and swine. The que- Here's the question. Now young folks are listening real good. And boys and girls and teenagers. The question is this. Why would anyone spend 10 minutes in a pig stop? Pigs and eat with pigs and waste away and live in misery. The 
why a lot of folks take their lives. They don't realize what they're doing. They're going to face God then for sure because they can't face God. They can't face God because they had an abortion. They can't face it. They can't face their guilt. They can't face their shame. Now, young folks in here tonight, or some may not hear this thing, if you've ever committed abortion, you can't bring that baby back to life. But that very act of sin can absolutely destroy you. If you don't find forgiveness in Christ, you say, how can God forgive me? The same way He forgives all sin. He does it by the blood of Christ. But notice, why that's why sinners run from God and God's house. It makes them feel nervous. If I was out here tonight smoking dope and drinking beer, I wouldn't feel comfortable sitting in here. I'd feel guilty. And if I didn't feel guilty, I've got a reprobated mind. Hey, they don't want to get around God's holy things. I know Miles back here told me when he was running wild, he didn't want to get around his mom and his daddy. You know why? Because he felt condemned. Access or excess in sin always produces one of famine, shame, and a guilty conscience. I'll tell you something, young folks. If nothing, if God never, if he never did anything for me, removing the guilt on my conscience is good enough. Yes, amen. Yes, sir. I believe one of the worst things in hell is that conscience is screaming at you. But still, after Satan and sin has ravaged this boy, watch this now. He's lost it all. Famine comes to the land. He's blown all of his money. He's down there at the pigsty. All of his hopes are gone. Ambitions are gone. Goals are gone. Self-esteem's gone. Dignity's gone. And now, all he can think about is the displeasure of his father. And you get to the bottom to where you feel like a lower down than a snake and a wagon's trap. And the devil jumps on you and accuses you how mean you are, how sorry you are, how wicked you are. God can't love you. Nobody can love you. Nobody can care about you. What you need to do is run to California where nobody knows you. Have one life's big binge of sin and, and just die in, in, in water and sin or else it's too late and take your life. I'm here to tell you the devil don't play fire. And when he gets you to the bottom, he'll dig the hole for the dirt in on you and laugh at you while you die. After Satan robs a person of everything in life, then he robs them of their soul. If God, here's what they say, if God hates me, I hate him. Well, guess what? He don't. He don't hate you. If God hated you, he would have never, and listen, the fact that God would deal with you to be saved shows you how much he loves you. But thank God, this story doesn't end right here. The good part and the best part is yet to come. This prodigal son knows he's got to get deliverance, salvation. He's got to be rescued. Notice, and when he came to himself, oh, happy day when he came to himself. That means he wasn't thinking with a right mind. When you're running in sin, you're not thinking right. You'll OD on stupid pills and do a pile of things you know you shouldn't do. And you'll do it anyhow. You'll watch your life be destroyed and your health being sucked out of your body. And you'll do it anyhow. What does that? You ain't your right mind when you do it. Because of sin, it messes up your mind. The request of the prodigal son, the ruin of the prodigal son, the realization of the prodigal son. A man will never come to himself 
until he comes to the end of himself through divine intervention. <laughs> Did you get that? When he came to himself. You'll never come to yourself till you come to the end of yourself. And that comes by divine intervention for the first time. Amen. He didn't blame anybody. He didn't blame that crowd, took advantage of his money. He didn't blame daddy's rules. He looked in the mirror for the first time and said, God, it's me. I'm wrong. I've done wrong. He took the blame. Watch this now. That's not enough. It's not, watch this. It's not enough to know I sinned against God. And it's not enough just to take the blame. What have you got to do when you take the blame? You've got to see the goodness of your father. You're not going back to the Father till you see His goodness. Oh, listen to me. It's not enough to know you're hell-bound and hell-deserving. It's not enough to know sin's wrong you. you got to know God loves you and God will forgive you and how good God is to get to Him. When He came to Himself, He said, How many of my, or how many hired servants of my fathers have bread and nothing to spare? And here I perish with hunger. He said, how stupid could I have been? No stupider than most other people. We're all same out, made out of the same mud, got the same nature. And if God restrains you and you don't get out in this mess, don't get self-righteous because you hadn't. Because it's a mercy of God you didn't. He said, my father treats his servants better by, you know what, this ain't in the scripture. Let me throw this in there. My daddy treats his dog better than the devils are treating me. I'll arise and go to my father. I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee and no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now watch this. Before he couldn't wait to get away from his father. Now he can't wait to get back to his father. Before, he didn't want to hear a word his dad had to say. Now, he just wants to hear the voice of his father. Before, all he wanted was the blessing of his father. Now, all he wants is reconciliation and peace and forgiveness from his father. Before, he wasn't content to be the son of his father. Now, he just wants to be a servant of his father. Before, he despised the instruction of of his father. Now he sees the wisdom of his father. Before all he saw was how strict his father was. Now he understands it because his dad was a good man, a wise man, and a gracious man, and trying to protect him from destruction. What does that? What happened? There's an alarm clock that went off in that boy's soul, and God woke him up. And for the first time, that boy saw what he had been. But thank God he saw what a great father that he had. Boy, that's what repentance does. God ain't sorry I got caught. I'm just as sorry how I've done such a good God. He came to himself. That's God's wake-up call. A man will be content to live in misery until God wakes him up. See what the devil does? The devil gets you so enchained by sin that he makes you think that it can't ever be any better. That you got to live like that. God wakes a man up to what sin has done to him. God wakes a man up to where Satan is leading him. God wakes a man up to how good God's been to him. I mean, this boy could have died a thousand deaths. This boy, listen to this. This is probably the most important statement I made besides 
He came to himself when he came to the end of himself by divine intervention. But the prodigal son came to himself, but he didn't come to himself by himself. Y'all didn't get that. He did not come to himself by himself. And you won't either. If you're here tonight, you've sinned against God, and there's a desire in your heart to get right with the Lord. That's God's wake-up call. That's that alarm clock of your conscience and the Holy Ghost and the Word of God waking you up. There's a better life and a better way. Praise the Lord, I thought I'd knock that off again. How do you know it's real? How do you know it's just real? How do you know, Brother Clayton, that this boy is just it, that he's just not sorry he got caught? How do you know it's real? Because with all the emotion and with all the analyzing, he had real faith. I will arise and go to my father. If he hadn't have said that, he's just feeling sorry for himself. If he hadn't said that, he's just sorry that he's missing out on Christmas and Thanksgiving Day and Easter dinners. But he said, I will arise. I'll not stay here another minute. I'll not stay here another day. I'll arise and go to my father. I'm willing to leave my sin. I'm willing to leave the hog sty. I'm willing to go back to my father. He looked like he'd been with pigs. He smelt like he'd been with pigs because he'd been with pigs. But God never made him that live like a pig. Thank God he made him to act like a sheep. And he's come to himself. He came to himself, but not by himself, divine intervention. He said, I'm getting out of here and going home. I'm going to go tell my daddy exactly what I've done. Not all the details. His dad don't want to hear that. He said, I'm going to tell him I've sinned against heaven. That's why this is a type of God. I sinned against heaven and in thy sight. You know, God, what I've been doing. Ain't no need lying about it, Lord, you know. I sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He woke up to the fact that sin was against God. He woke up to the fact he was unworthy of mercy. He woke up to the fact he broke the Father's heart. And oh, what a day that is when God works repentance in our heart to where we're so sorry for how we've done the Lord. Every day, what that boy didn't know was every day that daddy was looking in anticipation for his son to return. But you know what? He can't go send 10 soldiers and five businessmen to drag that boy back because he'll be right back over there. There ain't no need. And that boy coming home, Till all that mess is out of him. How sad that some people's got to go to the bottom. If you're here tonight and you're not at the bottom, you don't have to go that far. If you've just started that road in your mind, you better turn around. Oh, can you see yourself one day robbing your own grandmother to get enough money to go buy drugs, shooting your own mom and daddy? Hey, can you see that? You say, there ain't no way I'd do that. All them people on television want to say the same thing. Yes, sir. Wow. Every day his father is awaiting. 
One day way off in the distance, he sees a cloud of dust. There's something about that man's walk that's familiar to that father. That father's heart begins to leap within him. Is this possible? Could this be my son? He pulls up his robe. He girts himself with his belt and he goes running down the road. The farther he runs, the more he recognizes, my son, my son, my son. And they met in the middle of that road. That boy said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. That father began to rejoice. Why was that? Because that boy had repentance in his heart. That boy was sorry for what he had done. Not just sorry. He got caught. That boy, more than anything, wanted to be right with his father. That's what his daddy had been waiting for. Brother Jesse, you know why that daddy ran out there? Because of the law. The law says that if a boy dishonors his father like this, He's to be stoned to death under the law of Moses. And before that self-righteous crowd could get to that boy, that daddy got to him. Boy, that daddy went out there, showed his approval of that boy, showed he loved him. Hey, listen to me tonight. Your daddy might have turned against you and your mama. They can't trust you. And maybe your husband or wife's turned against you. But thank God, as long as I know that, God's not turned against me. And that I'm right with God, I can get through life and trust God to work that other stuff out as long as I know I'm right with him. He protected his son. From the, can you imagine? They seen that old boy leaving rich, dishonoring his daddy, come back with his old matted hair, smelling like a hog. What they would have said, they'd have wounded that boy's spirit. That's why when somebody walks in the back uh, through these doors of this church, I don't care what they look like, you treat them like gold. You roll out the red carpet. That might be that prodigal coming home. That might be that prodigal. I want to see the love of God in you and know that God still loves him and God will forgive him. Father, I've sinned against heaven in thy sight no more worthy to be called thy son. Notice before the son could see anything or say anything, the father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, kissed him. They tell me that back in those days, a, a grown man, it was a lack of dignity for him to run. And this father humbled himself to run to his son. Do you notice his father didn't say one word about you being my servant? Not one time. He said, my son. This my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. They began to be merry. Hey, if you have any idea how heaven would rejoice, if you'd come to God, you'd come right now. Hey, hey, when a sinner comes to God, he said, bring forth the best robe. The best robe's a father's robe. Best robe's a robe of Christ righteousness. You say, what about my guilt, my sin? Praise God, you get his righteousness on you. And God said, I'll remember their sin no more. And he means it. Kill the fatted calf. Give him the family ring. Give him authority. Bring, bring, kill the fatty calf. Bring him to the front of the table with me. That's what he said. Put shoes on his feet. Let us eat and be merry. 
Praise God, it's celebration time. Verse 24, old brother Dana Williams preaches a sermon on this and calls it party time. Somebody gets saved, it's party time. I ain't talking about alcohol. That's talking about the joy of the Holy Ghost. Verse 24, this my son was dead and is alive again. He's lost and is found. They began to be merry. Now, when we come to the Father, we come to a gospel feast. Jesus said, you eat of this bread, you'll never hunger again. Drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. You know what? We stay in the Father's presence. We delight in him. Now, that boy's got a relationship and a fellowship with God. Now, Everybody, Brother Mike's probably heard this, and maybe you have too. Maybe I've told it. I probably have. There's a man down there in the church, old Brother Ronnie Barnes, got to come to church about three months. And uh, it just, Brother Mike, sort of one of them situations. All them years, he'd go to church here and there just once in a while. But God put it in his heart. Just one day, want to go to church. And it was his wife that never would go with him, the one that started it. And Brother Ronnie got to coming for about three months, and it's like nothing fazed him. He wasn't rejecting it, but God just hadn't dealt with him. He told me one Sunday morning, God grabbed him. I was preaching on the faith of Abraham. He said he got down out of the bridge and said, I preacher, I should have turned around. I should have never went home. He said he went home that day customary that his, he'd always play with his little granddaughter, Sunday afternoon, that was his pride and joy. He said that Sunday afternoon, I couldn't enjoy her. I couldn't enjoy myself. He said, I was miserable. I could, man, I was the most miserable I've ever been in my life. He said, I never felt so condemned and dirty in my life. And uh, he come back that night and the, the choir was just singing, hadn't even sung a few verses, I don't think. And down the aisle he come, but listen to what he said. He told me later, his boy had been out in drugs and alcohol running wild. His daddy, old Ronnie, had to put his boy out. And his boy finally got his gut full of that mess, called him up one day crying and said, Daddy, can I come home? Old Ronnie said that night when he came to the altar, God put on his mind his boy. And he got down and said, Father, can I come home? Hey, that's exactly the attitude you ought to have, Father. Can I come home? Oh, Father, will you forgive me? Oh, Father, I'm sorry for what I've done. My dear friend, you can't escape God. I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Listen to me. I know where you had. I've been there. You know God knows what you've done. And you're too ashamed to face him with it. But you know what? If you will, he'll forgive you. And you won't have to face him at the judgment and be damned for it. There's not a country far enough to escape the eye of God. Flee to him who has all wisdom. He'll never do one thing to hurt you, just try to help you. Now, I want to ask you a question. Or I want you to think about this. God knows where you are. He knows who you are. And he knows what you are. He knows where to find you. He knows where to change you. And he knows how to rescue you. It'd be a shame if we have a service like this tonight and nobody get rescued. The presence of God is here. I believe the Lord has opened up his heart to somebody. 
Let them know. He, 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 God's not wanting to damn you. God's not wanting to judge you and pile drive you into the ground. Oh, no. He wants to, the reason he wants to forgive you, watch this now. Till that boy took care of his sin problem, him and his daddy can't have fellowship. And till God takes care of your sin problem, you can't be related with him or fellowship with him. And God so wants you to get to know him, be able to love on him, but he can't do it till your sin problem is took care of. And you've got to come to him through Christ for forgiveness. God loves us in spite of our rebellion, our repudiation, and our rejection. This reveals the heart of God. I want to ask you a question. Who do you reckon in that far country loved that boy? Nobody. He's just another name and another dollar. When he runs out of money, he's just a nothing and a nobody. Who do you reckon loved that boy like nobody else? His father, his mother. Since this is a type of God and God doesn't have a wife, Ain't going to get one. He just Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Who loves you more than anybody in this whole world? God. And if you're not saved, you don't even understand that. Jesse, till we're saved, we can't even comprehend it. We don't really believe it. We come to God because we don't want to go to hell. And God lets us see a little bit of the grace of God and the love of God. But it's not till he gives us that new nature and saves us that we have any appreciation of him. And you know what? If for no other reason you ought to get saved by God's grace, God dealing with you just so you can get to know him because you can't. Till you're saved, you can't know him. You don't know him. All you know is somebody that's judge, somebody that's jury and executioner. That's all you know. Somebody's upset with you. Somebody got a bunch of rules he wants you to live by. And you know you ain't got no power to live by them, but he'll give you the power. Now, I want to ask you a question. Here it is. Have you got sick of yourself enough yet? Are you sick of the pigsty? Are you sick of sin? You say, well, there's some good folks in here. Hey, whoever I'm talking to knows who I'm talking to. How much more miserable you got to get? What else you got to lose? You go, you, you're going to have to be laying over there in intensive care, hooked up on a ventilator, about to leave here, and your mom and daddy or your wife or husband are screaming, oh, God, if they die, they're going to go to hell. Is that the way you got to, you're going to play hardball with God? I tell you one thing, you get the smell of that hog on you. If there's anything I hate, it's a smell of a hog lot. Yes, they ain't nothing good about a hog but bacon and sausage. <laughs> but I don't want to raise them. Where you got hog feed, you got rats everywhere. There ain't nothing good about a hog but breakfast. But what I'm trying to tell you, that's where you're at. That's where you're going. That far country will devour you. You're no match for it. You get out from under the protection of mom and dad in the church and you get out there in that world. Yeah. You're going to run into stuff that's in your depravity you ain't even going to believe. Yes, sir. Drawing you to sin. Who's God? God's took a special effort to go after somebody not in his service, brother. There's a special effort to keep somebody out of that far country tonight. And if you're there, you can get out of it. Stand their feet.